Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. You are listening to Lunchtime Live. 1800 453 106 is the number if you want to get in touch with us. I want to talk about Temple Street. You heard Eamon mention it there and the need now for serious questions to be answered. This is after the spinal surgical incidents there at the, the Children's Hospital. 19 children suffered significant complications after surgery and the HSE have now appointed this UK expert to lead an external review of the clinical care that was provided by one consultant who's currently not conducting surgeries. Stephen Morrison is with me today on Lunchtime Live because... Stephen, your son, Harvey, has been on the waiting list for a long time. He's not one of the 19 children um, that's part of the review, but he is affected because he was due to have surgery at Temple Street and that's now been postponed. So what was your reaction yesterday, Stephen, when you first heard this? Uh, first of all, thanks very much, Andrew, for having me on. And um, Our reaction, me and my partner were shocked. Um, to be honest with you, absolutely shocked. We're scared. Um, and I think like a lot of the families were that were involved in this, you know, we haven't been communicated with clearly. Um, and, you know, we, we need answers. And, um, you know, what these kids have gone through already in their lives is beyond what most of us can even imagine. And I think they've just been, they've been left aside for far too long. I'm just trying to think when you know, when you got word of this and and the story started to you know hit the public domain yesterday. I mean, it it just must be every parent's worst nightmare, Stephen. Yeah, and I I, I have to say, like the fact that CHI haven't given any families any updates on what has been going on in the hospital before this made it to the media. Um, is is absolutely shocking, and um, you know, like I can tell you now, that me and my partner are extremely angry with the hospitals, and um, and we don't feel like we can make an informed decision on our son's care until we read the Boston report and what's in it, and it needs to be it needs to be published in its entirety. This is the the new external review, is it, Stephen? That's been carried out. No, so this is the Boston report that was carried out last year. This is one of the other two surgeries. Yeah, because so this is th- th- that's the thing. I mean, I I was listening to some of this this morning, and I was thinking, there's already been an internal and an external review of this, and now yeah, we've we another and external one. And while all this is going on, there's children suffering and dying in our country. You know that are that are in severe pain and aren't being looked after correctly. You know they like while we're all debating on what should happen and we're having these reviews, there's there's children at the forefront of this that just are not getting the care that they deserve. One of those kids is is your own is is Harvey Stephen and I, I'm sure you're you're there and you're in the house with him this morning. Like just tell us a little bit about Harvey and and his condition. Yeah, so Harvey's uh, seven years old. He was um, he was born with spina bifida. He also has hydrocephalus and scoliosis. And um, his scoliosis would have been picked up when he was very young. And um, he was about one years of age when we were first informed about it. And at that time, we were told that it was a, a life and death situation for Harvey. 
that his lungs had already started to be crushed um, by his ribcage. Um, since then, we've had absolutely no orthopedic intervention. Um, we've had ideas tossed around of what his care should be, um, but we've never had an idea of what kind of surgery Harvey would need. Um, now, we did get a date for April 2023, but obviously, you know, those surgeries were cancelled due to the review that was taking mm. place because of the complications that were happening. I'm trying to think, Stephen, for you and your partner, like, you got Harvey's diagnosis, you know, or effectively when he was one, you, you got the details and six years on, finally, you get a date for April of this year for surgery. And then because of what's happened, that's now been kicked down the road and, and postponed. I mean, like, it must be incredibly frustrating when, when you're looking at Harvey day to day. It is, you know, and my job as a parent and as a carer, when we first got the diagnosis of Harvey, was to make sure that he was going to be an independent child, that he was going to be productive in society. and. I just feel like that is, we haven't been given the chance to be able to do any of that for our son. And, and in, those, yeah, in those six years, Stephen, how has Harvey's condition progressed? So, as I was saying, Harvey's lungs are being currently being crushed and that's continuing to happen. And so he's got a condition called early onset chest wall disease. And and as his spine curvature changes, his rib cage is, is currently coming in on top of one of his lungs and it's causing extreme pain. And we've been in and out of hospital. I say yearly, we go in and out of hospital about four times with stents and pneumonia. And the last one ended up in ICU. And, and Harvey just, he will go from being absolutely fine, he'll get a dose. And then all of a sudden, it's an ambulance trip into hospital because his stats went so low. Um, so even though his surgery, you know, it, like they were waiting on that surgery, it's complications like that. Yeah. That can be so serious. And as well, his, you know, like, sorry, you know. Um, no, take your time, Stephen. Yeah, I just feel like he's 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 been completely put aside, and um, you know, like none of this is going to be reversible. So any damage that's done to him now is going to is going to stay with him for life. If he has eighty percent function left in his lung, that'll be him for life. Six years waiting for some kind of surgery. I thought a commitment was there. Not a commitment given a number of years ago that no child was going to have to wait. Was it not longer than a number of months, four months, I four thought? Four months. Yeah. Four months was the was the time frame that Simon Harris at the time had given. And that was our promise. Um, and it's been a complete failure since then with the following ministers for health. And, then you got and the I news. just don't know how CHI or the government can expect any family to bring their children into that hospital when CHI 
carries themselves so dysfunctionally. You know, this is supposed to be the centre of excellence in Ireland for spina bifida care. And it is, it's not even close to what it should be. And I think we'll see that if we get to see the reports. I know they've um they they've they've been postponed now and 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 halted for for the moment and that and and I think is in some surgeries now going to be carried out at at other hospitals but like as it stands today now at a quarter past one Stephen y- your son was due to have his surgery in April of this year and nobody has picked up the phone to call you to say listen we're going to do Sahar I've heard I've had absolute radio silence from Temple Street. They haven't. They, we haven't had a personal apology. We haven't been told if Harvey's going to be picked up by another surgeon, if he's going to be treated in Temple Street, if he's going to be moved to Crumlin. You know, and as I said, I, I can't make an informed decision on my child's care until I know what has been going on inside in the hospital. Well, I think you're at, at, at the very, very least, Stephen. You'd imagine you're you're due a phone call anyway, you know, and and you've Absolutely. questions that I'm I'm sure you and your your partner want answered. I mean, I, I heard talk earlier, that, you know, today and, and and yesterday about possibly um, looking at even carrying out surgeries in other countries again. Like, I mean, would, would I that... would feel a lot more comfortable at the moment doing that. I would, I genuinely would feel so much more comfortable travelling out of the state. And this is this is my home. I've lived here for 34 years now. You know, I've built my family here and I want to move away. I don't want to be here anymore. I've ha- we have a health service that completely has abandoned us. You know, and it, it, the orthopaedics is just a tip of the iceberg when it comes to care for children with spina bifida. They need so much. They need... Uh, neurological care, they need occupational therapy care, they need physical therapy care. You know, there there needs to be a complete team around these children. Um, and if one of those is missing, it can be life-threatening mm-hmm. for that child. You want somebody to pick up the phone, Stephen, and give you a call? I just want I a proper plan me. of action. And the discussion I around... we deserve it at this point. Yeah. Aaron is with us as well. Stephen, stay stay with us if you if you don't mind. I've got Aaron on the line too. Um, Aaron, you're fa- how are you? How how did you feel yesterday when you heard this? Well, look here here we are in a situation where we were in 2015, where there are over 300 children waiting on scoliosis surgery. Um. Like we waited in four, for 14 months in 2015 where Sophia basically was down to 9 kgs and all the same things that Stephen has mentioned there. The communication, the lack of information, the the the, the hearing of news second hand, all was part and parcel of that then. And there's been lots of work now. In 2018, we went back on an urgent list and Sophia waited 19 months. So Sophia's you know, had okay. her in, initial. She's had, she's had two the in- surgeries: the initial surgery and then her full final spinal fusion in 2018. Okay. And that means that her spine is rigid, her back is rigid. But because they left her waiting so long, um, 
they had to set her back in the position it was. So she's in a C shape. So the only movement Sophia has is from her, like the top of her neck or the bottom of her neck to her head. So it's like, um, that's where all the pressure is. And she's constantly leaning to one side. So that's her for the rest of her life. Uh, she has to live with the consequences of being left on on the list. Um, the four-month target wasn't pulled out of there. That was the international best practice. That's what Simon Harris gloriously declared at the time. And yet here we are, six, seven, eight years later, and we have three, 308 or 300 and something children waiting, and a third of them are waiting over 12 months. And actually, some of them children are waiting four years. So, you know, it, 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 it's fairly interesting to see the amount of publicity around the whole ploughing this weekend and the amount of interest there is there. I can guarantee you, if I was to put up a picture of a calf that needed serious help and we just left it without getting it help, that there would be a national uproar. There'd be people kicking down the door to give help to it. And yet this has been going on for over 10 years with children. They're just left to suffer. They're left to suffer. The, the, the families are left to their own devices. And and it shouldn't be. Like we are, it's it's tried and tested the whole, the whole system. We know we need extra capacity. We know we need extra high dependency beds. We know we need extra nurses. There's nowhere for nurses to love. You know, this whole thing is all interlocked with the whole, society we have at the minute where we're struggling on every aspect they properly staff and they properly address mm-hmm. the issues that are there this isn't a shock this isn't whatever about all the revelations this week and they are shocking that is just going to put extra children now on a waiting list on a system <sighs> I, I heard today they're saying well Crumlin now all, all children have got over to Crumlin Crumlin's already struggling we were supposed to have a new hospital open in 2020 and we still don't have a final date for it. And actually, the new hospital is now too small for the population we have. We put pressure on others, no, no doubt about that. Immediately. So look, do you, you do, know, the... Do you think Sorry. this? No, you're okay, Aaron. I, I'm just interested in, in like, as somebody who has, you know, your, your daughter has, um, sorry, excuse me, previously had surgery here. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm um, waiting to have further surgery in Ireland. Like, would you be happy if some of the the surgeries now were were outsourced abroad? Like, should should we, we recommence we, that? Would you? We we couldn't do that because Sophia is so complicated, and a lot of the kids that are waiting in scoliosis surgeries are so complex. So the team around them know them well, and you know the teams that we have working in our hospitals are amazing. They do so much for our children under the circumstances they're in. Now, should it be opened up that they can send children away? Absolutely. If they can send less complex children for for, for spinal operations and free up room here on the list, then that should be looked at by, by, by all means. But, you know, there's nothing that they're going to do overnight that's going to just clear no. this list. Oh, no, like, and this, I know, and I, I know be, it's very and, complex. And, and like, the, the, there's amazing groups out there like Claire Cahill and the, the Scoliosis Advocacy Network is been plugging away at this for years and Michelle, they've been plugging away they get they get fresh uh, commitments from government, they get promises, they get apologies 
And then every six or seven months, we end up in the same place again. You know, this this has been breaking now for over a week. And the health minister has not even made a comment on it. You know, it, it's like, where where is he? Well, just, just, um, just on that... Stephen, you're, you're you're still with us, and you were listening to to Aaron and his yeah, his, sto- Aaron, yeah. his story there. Like, I have a statement, you know, from from the HSE and that today, and and we got on to Children's Hospital Ireland as well. But I mean, or sorry, Children's Health Ireland, I, I should say, CHI. But like, what's your message to those listening to us today? Because you and and Harvey, your son, are the people affected by all of this. So what what do you say to people listening to this that are in control and in in you know in charge of this this situation at the moment? Get the ball rolling. You know, like there was fifteen million allocated for spine bifida care, care last year after the Posse and Pain campaign. And um, since those surgeries haven't taken place, I'm sure that money is still sitting there. So what we need to do is get someone in control of the situation and start getting the kids the surgeries that they need now, and it cannot wait any longer. And we won't be accepting it anymore. And in the meantime, for for you and other families, and like, I mean, you've no idea then, Stephen, I, t- I take it, when Harvey's surgery will happen. I mean, it was due to be April. We're now into the middle of September. I, I don't even know who Harvey's consultant is anymore. Right. Well, I mean, I, I don't think it's too much to ask that you'd get some correspondence now or an email or a phone call or something, you'd imagine, from somebody yeah, dealing well, with all of this. Like, uh, I won't hold my breath, but hopefully um, they do start to take it a bit more seriously. Well, just the, the reassurance, you know, for, for you and your, your partner and Aaron as well. I think there's, there's other people getting in touch about this too. Lunchtime Live at Newstalk.com is the email address. Listen, Stephen, thank you for, for joining us today and, and sharing your story and Aaron as well. Uh, Aaron Daly there. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. 1800 453 106 is the number if you want to get in touch. I, I was chatting to Stephen and Aaron there because um, their kids, well, Stephen in particular, his child is affected by this situation at Temple Street Children's Hospital um, and this external review that's underway now following 19 different kids had complications after spinal surgery, spinal operation street at Dublin's Temple Street Children's Hospital. Kira is listening to us. Kira, you heard Stephen and Aaron there and you got in touch because it's something your family's gone through. Yeah, so um, back in 2013, I was diagnosed with scoliosis and I had to wait 16 months uh, just to see my consultant. Um in that time, like, my spine went from about 40 degrees to about 100 on the top. And then I um, had a lumbar curve of about 78 degrees. So, being on the waiting list, I had a lot of extra damage done. And, like, my spine was crushing on my stomach, my lungs, everything. And in April of 2014, I was told that I was going to get surgery within two weeks. And I had pre-op tests done. Fast forward to October... Is I actually got my surgery done. Um, in that space of time, I deteriorated um, like crazy. Um, I couldn't leave my house. I couldn't leave my bed. 
I was crying every day in pain. I was anxious, like insecure about how I was looking at 11 years old. Like it was just not a way to live. You were 11, like, 11 then, Kira. I was, yeah. So um, I had to have, as a result of being on the waiting list for so long, I actually had to have two surgeries. Um, one like for to get some of my uh, ribs removed and my spine actually pushed back into place for then two weeks later to have a spinal fusion done where they put two titanium rods in my back which <laughs> I missed out on a lot of school back then yeah. and I was very upset like around this time and it was a lot of pressure on my family and like at the time I didn't really understand everything that was going on like with the like waiting list and stuff but now that I'm older like to think back on it, I think it's absolutely disgraceful that, like, children have to wait on waiting lists for so long for operations that need to be done within the first four months. Like, I think it's disgraceful on the HSE for them to leave children for so long to deteriorate. And even after my first two operations, I had to have further um, operations due to complications of my operations. So hearing this story from Temple Street has really brought it back up to light, like everything that happened with me. I'd say it has, Kira, yeah. I was thinking I was thinking, you know, for, for other families today that have gone through this. And I, I know your your surgeries weren't now in, in, in Temple Street, but I'm sure even hearing this news, you know, yesterday when it broke and, and today and listening to it all day, like it it, it has to be traumatising for you and your family. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Like it's... Oh yeah, like like even like for my family to hear it, like it's just been like a topic of conversation within my family. And just thinking about how like children are still suffering, like even worse than I have even, like trying to get operations that are vital for them to like move on in life. Because I know that I have lifelong conditions now due to the waiting on the waiting list for so long. Like I'm on an oxygen machine at night, I have thyroid issues, I have stomach issues. I'm like, I can't even imagine like the complications of people that have been waiting years on the waiting list, like the poor children, like, I think it's absolutely like crazy. And even having gone through the surgeries that you have, and you must be early 20s now, are you, Kira? if you're... Yeah, I am, yeah. yeah. Like, it, you have the lifelong effect now of living with this. Yeah, no, like forever, I'll have to take medication, like, I can't go. I don't know what a day is without being in pain. Like, from all the complications of being on the waiting list, I'm on paracetamol, like, ibuprofen, like, pain medications every single day, along with my thyroid medications and stuff for my stomach. Just because, like, I was a perfectly healthy child before um, 2013. And then from going from perfectly healthy to, like, not, like hospitals constantly constantly sick not being able like even now I go home from college I go home I have to take pain medication I have to lie down for at least an hour before I can do anything more because of the pain that I'm in from like from the day basically sitting and walking around it's terrible Kira. yeah I just think it's awful like like that the like government made a promise I think it was in 2017 that there wouldn't be a child waiting over four months on the waiting list and now we're still here in 2023 and children are still waiting over years just to get seen by a consultant, let alone operated on. I just think it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, well, something needs to be done and fast because people can't afford to be going abroad and 
paying all the costs of abroad to go and get um, surgeries done for their children. I just, I don't know, I just, I'm gobsmacked that like the health system in this country is a joke. Well, uh, it's hard, it's hard to, to just disagree with anything you've said, Kira, from the stories that, you know, I've heard today and, and Stephen and Aaron and yourself and, you know, the, the long waits. And I understand, you know, the complex surgeries and they're, they're difficult and they're, and they're, they're risky surgeries. And I, and I, I get all of that. Um, but I, I do think that people are certainly entitled to a little bit of information today. I wouldn't go astray. Yeah. I should just go on ahead, Kira. Of course, like even I remember like my mother had to call every day just to try and get an answer of like, when am I going to be operated on? Like, when am I going to be seen? Like every single day she was on the phone trying to get a bit like an answer from someone and nobody ever. It was just all the same answers like that. Still on the waiting list. And when they know information, they'll tell us. But how would they like they don't know information. They can't tell us like my family knew nothing. And we had to like wait every day hoping that the phone would ring. For a, for a consultant to ring for my surgery and we waited and waited for months and my mother had to fight and my father had to fight and like my paediatrician even had to fight just to be seen just like, to get you in, into the system. Just to get me in, yeah. Well, Kira, I, I wish you well. And look, I, I know you, you've mentioned you're still, you know, living with the, the aftermath of all of this and the pain day to day as well. But look, you know, I... I hope it eases for you somewhat and I've, I know of no idea that listening to all this today has to be very hard for you and your family so I, I appreciate you getting in touch and, and taking the call. Um, Emily is on the line. Emily, you, you've you been listening to the callers today. You got in contact. It's because of your daughter. What's her story? Uh, yeah, so my daughter's um, age nine. Her name's um, Charlotte and um, she's been having treatment for scoliosis since she was about six months old. Uh, we noticed uh, a curve in her spine when she was six months and she's, she was on a list. Um, and I, I foolishly just thought that, you know, it would start a process and a ball rolling. But how wrong can you be? You have to phone constantly, um, ring, try and get somebody to answer the phone um, in various hospitals to start the treatment. And once we started the treatment, we went through the casting process. But unfortunately, her spine continued to um to deform so she's actually had harrington's harrington rods fitted um about a, about 18 months ago which is entails having the rods inserted at either side of her spine to try and control the the curve um unfortunately this means every six months they have to be lengthened so that's another procedure another surgery and anesthetic um and I, again, foolishly thought that once we'd had the, the rods fitted, the, 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 you know, the repeat appointments would just fall into place. We would be contacted with a date for surgery. We would go. But unfortunately, that doesn't happen. Every six months, I have to get on the phone and start ringing. Um, and it can take me three or four weeks to get through to the hospital um, to speak to the right person. Very rarely, I think once have I had a call back from somebody at the hospital um, with an update. Um to the point where you'd be in tears on the phone saying, you know, my, you know, my daughter needs us or we just need to know where we are or, you know, planning things, planning, you know, the school holidays, childcare, things like that. There's just, there's no follow up. And, you know, we, I say we're on our third lengthening now. We probably have another five or six to go. And the thought of having to face into that now for the next four or five That's years, exhausting. it's frightening. Emily, I mean, like, I mean, it, it beggars belief that, you, you, you know, like, 
you think of all the money and all the great systems and all the brains that are putting all you know these procedures in place and and getting the whole logistics of this working and, and you basically have to call every six months to plead with oh, somebody absolutely. in the yeah. department and to reschedule you know, Charlotte for her yeah. six months procedure. Yeah, absolutely. We know they're under pressure. We know they're under pressure. And, you know, nobody minds if somebody was to ring you and say, look, it's not going to be this month, but we'll call you next month and give you an update or an email, an email even, but there's nothing. And then I suppose the other thing is once you're in the hospital, it's fantastic. Once you're there, you have your date. I mean, we've had many cancellations, but once you're in and you've the operation booked, it's great. But then I suppose you feel guilty because you've hammered on the door so hard that what other children are then pushed, you know, because you've rang and constantly every day speaking to the same people saying, look, we need to know. Can we know? Can you give us some information? But there's other children then being left without operations, I presume, because it, it seems to be whoever's parent shouts the loudest seems to, to get the operation. It's a, it's a sort of a bizarre situation, Emily, you know, when chatting to you today and all you've gone through with Charlotte, that you nearly feel like sort of one of the lucky ones. You know? Absolutely. Like it's and, mad. And, and, and I mean, the day, the day we actually had the rods fitted... Um, I pushed so hard for the initial operation because she was on the list for 18 months and I had to go to a private consultant to get her looked at and only him sending a letter back into the hospital to say Charlotte needs this surgery urgently. We then then got the date through, but it wasn't until I was sat on the hospital bed signing the forms that I actually said, I haven't actually thought this through and how this affects my child. I hadn't asked many questions. I was so focused on getting the date and getting the operation that then all of a sudden, you know, you, you have no, you know, you need, you need to ask people questions and, and, and there's no advice given or anything, you know, it's just that you just follow this, this line. Can I just ask you, Emily, Charlotte, um, Charlotte wasn't a, a patient at Temple Street, was she? No, 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 no it was another hospital okay. and she doesn't have the complications. I think that the other callers okay. children have it. She has early onset scoliosis. Um, and, and, and thankfully doesn't have any other problems. And, and I think that's the thing, you know, you, you go to the, to the hospital and, and you think, well, we're the lucky ones, we only have the scoliosis to deal with, you know, and, and then you feel like you're complaining for no reason because, you know, we don't have the complications to touch wood today. Yeah. We've, we've been the lucky ones, but, you know, you, it, it's not fair that you have to ring. And it, on times I've been in floods of tears on the phone uh, to the people and, and the people that you. are talking to you, you know, they're, they're very kind and they hear, they listen. But whether their hands are tied, I'm not sure. But there's a huge breakdown in communication with the parents. Um, and, and it needs to change. It's time for change. I really yeah, think it it's, is. It's, it's not fair. It's totally, totally unacceptable. Um, for Stephen and Aaron that were with us a little earlier too, um, we contacted the HSE and what I got is the statement they sent out yesterday. So I don't think they've any new statement or any update. And we've got in touch as well, I should say, with Children's Health Ireland, um, CIH and uh, similar to yourself there, Emily, no communication uh, back actually at all from CIH. But if we get that, we'll bring that to you. Lunchtime live at newstalk.com is the email address. Listen, Emily, thank you for getting in contact today. Kira as well. Um best of luck with your with your, your future um procedures too, Emily, for Charlotte. And look, there'll be there'll be lots more about this. It's a story that's certainly not going to go away anytime soon. Lunchtime live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.